Greetings program. Hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and this is Minute 13. And with me today is my driven, upright, strong, and kind guest co-host, Adam Sternborn from Core World News. Uh, excellent. Thank you for having me. Now, is it is it uh, Sternborn? Is that right? Did I say that right? That is, yeah. That's the last name, Sternborn. It's yeah, okay. I wasn't sure if it was like Stiern, Stiernborn, maybe, or something like that. No, it's uh, it's uh, it's actually my wife and I combined our last names, uh, and that's how we got to Sternborn. And uh, we both have weird spellings of our our last names, and and we realized we missed the chance to fix the spelling because you got it a hundred percent right, and you might be the first person to actually ever say it correctly because everyone does say Stiernborn. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow, that's cool. I like that. I like that uh, that combination, right? Because it's not a hyphenated, yeah. but you just combine it together. Yeah, we were just trying to figure it out, and uh, it sounds like a Scottish manner, so we said, "Let's go for it." Yeah, it 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 makes uh, it makes sense. It feels like a like a like a last name that's gone back thousands of years or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, tell me uh, tell me a bit about yourself uh, and Core World News and all that. Oh, sure. Thanks. So uh, I co-host a weekly Star Wars podcast, uh, you know, one of of several thousand that are out there. Uh, And we focus on the news every week. Uh, We do a bit of review. So we kind of basically cover all the media that comes out. And and our touch word is is positivity. We we are three guys who who grew up loving Star Wars, uh, love everything about it and just talk about how much we love it. Uh, But we do get into also, you know, pretty, you know, thoughtful discussions and debates um about it but uh we we are uh, nearing our hundredth episode in fact i think wow. i think our plan is to our hundredth episode will be our live uh review of rise of skywalker so that's that's the plan wow a live review yeah. that's gonna be fantastic yeah we're, we're gonna go see we have to get our tickets but we're gonna go see it uh twice in the night and so we're gonna record our immediate reaction after the first viewing and then go back and do a longer pod about our, our reaction after the second because I, I always say it takes me two viewings to figure out how i feel about a new star wars movie because it's always an experience for me wow that's fantastic yeah there's a friend of mine that does a, a ghostbusters um podcast every week and oh, wow. his his watchword is uh is is positivity as well I think it's you needed know. out there. Not to not to pat myself on my own back, but I think it's needed. It's 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 you know it's a fandom Star Wars in particular. It's been misunderstood. It's mostly a lot of lovers and and some very vocal haters. And I feel like that's kind of given us a bad rap sometimes. No, I, I concur. I think it's uh, it's inspirational. I think everybody needs to be more positive with the stuff that they love. Yeah, exactly. That's why we love it. Why why do a podcast about something you hate? Yeah, yeah. There is a, a movie by minute podcast. A hate watch movie by minute podcast. Someone's watching Mandy. Someone's watching Mandy one minute at a time and hating it, and uh, and I don't know how yeah. that would be possible. But but they're but they're doing it. I haven't listened to it, so I don't know if it's tongue in cheek or if it's, uh, if it's yeah. Uh, yeah. I I saw that pop up and I haven't listened to it, but I'm I'm curious because it could be done if it's if it's lovingly fun and like you said, tongue in cheek. It it, it could be yeah work. yeah. I think if you literally hate it, I'm like this is not a this yeah. is not a fun way to spend the next few months of your life no 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 do you uh do you remember the first time that you saw tron you know i was trying to think about that and i and i honestly can't remember if my first experience was watching tron or playing the arcade game and it's it's kind of like star wars tron has always been a part of my life i don't have that memory um i'm an 80s kid and so i all i remember is Every weekend I go to the video store and have my mom either pick up Goonies or Tron. Like those are the two movies I watched pretty much every weekend. 
and just whatever mood I was in or whatever was in the video store at the time. So I honestly don't remember the first time, but I do have some like memories of kind of first scenes and, and the ones that stuck with me. And it's fortuitous because actually, and we'll get to it, but minute 15 is, 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 a, is a moment that sticks in my mind um, about Tron, which is funny because it's not even in the computer world, but it, for some reason it really captured my imagination as a kid. Oh, right on. Yeah. Cool. Which which one? Minute what? Uh, minute fifteen when the orange gets uh, gets uh, taken away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. Yeah. All right. Well, just, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. That one. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. yeah. All right. Cool. So go over the summary a little bit. In this one, Alan Bradley and Dillinger are talking it up. Dillinger gets the news that Tron is an independent watchdog program, and he's not super duper into that. Fallout ensues. This is minute 13, and so I want to try to do some something new here. I thought, since this is minute 13, I was thinking, like, what's the unlucky... Maybe mm. we should do that at the end. Do you want to do that at the end? Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we'll do that after after we've gone over the minute. So, Alan mentions that Tron is an independent watchdog program that shuts down anything it identifies as unscheduled. There's a little bit of... I want to talk just a little bit about AI and uh, security today. There's, according to a March 2019 article from Comparatech.com, the field of cybersecurity is very active at the moment with new techniques and attack prevention methods appearing almost every day. And in the vanguard of cybersecurity, there's an elite group of innovative companies building AI into products in order to defeat attackers and win customers. And the nine key innovators in cybersecurity that are using AI to give their products an edge right now are called Darktrace, Cynet, FireEye, Checkpoint, Semantic, Sophos, Fortinet, Silence, and Vectra. And those <laughs> names I just think are also so good. Although uh Cynet is only that's one letter away from being Skynet though, so I'm worried about that. I'm worried about that one. Yeah, that one kinda I back my hairs uh, hairs on the back of my neck rose a little bit when I heard that one. They all sound a little a little bit nefarious, but uh okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dark Trace? Hmm. All right. Mm. Yeah. Cynat's like uh okay. Yeah. And uh so AI security is the application of heuristics to programming, which means that rather than running through a list of instructions like a procedural programming language, AI methods maintain a database of instructions and act on data as a variable, so they improvise. The selection of the next action to take relies on the application of probabilities, and this uh, methodology enables the programs to write their own rule bases by tracking activities on a network. And the longer a program is resident, the less likely it is that your business's activities will be crippled by false positives that cause the security software to shut down internet access and close down programs and stuff like that. So it sounds like Alan is that's exactly what Tron is. It sounds like that's kind of exactly what Tron is gonna do. Yeah, it's really interesting. I was watching uh rewatching this last night with my wife and it's just amazing how much happens in this film that feels so current, even though it looks so eighties. And and we're just like we were using so many two thousand nineteens and like, oh well that's just an example of a firewall before we had before we had the <laughs> word firewall. And you're absolutely right, like Tron is, I never really thought of it very much as like an AI security program. Yeah, it's a very prophetic film. And I know that yes. a lot of, like, visually, I think it had a huge impact on a lot of people. And I think yeah. career-wise, it had a, a huge impact on a lot of people. I think there's a lot of special effects technicians and computer animators that saw that movie and really wanted to get into a career doing special effects and computer animation. 
likewise yeah. i think there's a lot of people that were interested in programming in basic on their trs-80 or their commodore 64 at the time <laughs> who saw this movie I, and yeah. went wow i want to i want to program i want to do this and so they got into it and now they're scientists at, at somewhere in much the same yeah. way that i guess star trek the next generation inspired people to become astronauts or something like that you know you always see you always you always hear that with astronauts that they, they really loved star trek growing up as a kid and that became one yeah. of their building blocks to go towards what they were going to end up being in the future and i think it happened similarly with tron absolutely i mean i was super interested in programming as a kid and 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 eventually dropped out of it because it was just to be honest too hard and i didn't have a forte for it <laughs> and i was just like i'll just go back and watch but you know it's crazy how much these movies do affect us like i you know half the reason i in my day job um i'm actually i'm a professor of criminal justice so i actually know that the the you know the um cyber is a huge area that we're, we're working into i have no knowledge or expertise that's not my area but i know we have a lot of classes and we, we kind of we partner with the it department but i became a professor because of indiana jones really like i think back to it it's just okay, like sure just you know harrison ford like affected pretty much most of my life decisions throughout uh yeah. career decisions at least yeah well, yeah, his uh, his roles, I think, defined, uh, defined a generation. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Alan gets a little cocky and says that Tron will watchdog the MCP as well. And David mm -hmm. Warner does the best I'm smiling but I'm not smiling face when he says, sounds good. Uh, yeah. He's got that, yeah. that the smile doesn't touch his eyes and it seems warm and genuine, but he really knows how to project that it is a, a thousand percent not genuine. That's really, he's such a good actor. He's so good. He can play both kind of coming off as the boss yet at the same time being completely under the thumb of, of someone or something else. Yeah, yeah. Like he's got this strength and weakness that he can manage to mix together in the same in the same performance. I remember yeah. I saw I saw a behind the scenes interview with him recently where he said he had stopped taking villainous roles because he wanted to stop taking villainous roles. You know, like he when you get typecast as the villain he felt yeah. like he wanted to be a hero or he wanted to be a good guy and he keeps getting cast as villainous and he's good at it but and it pays the bills but he's yeah. at a point now in his career where he can, he can choose and he chooses not to. It reminds me of um, Charlotte Copley in District 9, the lead in District mm. 9. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. played the bad guy in Elysium. And I yes. remember an, an interviewer saying, it must have been a lot of fun to play a bad guy. It must have been a lot of fun to get your teeth into playing a villain. And he said, no, it was awful, and I regret doing it, because he said he grew up in the slums of South Africa, and he knew awful people. He knew some really awful people, and he's seen some horrible things when he was a kid. So he wanted to bring joy to the world, and he wanted to bring humor to the world, and he wanted to play good people. So, Because when he plays a villain... It's not a flight of fancy form. It's not a fantasy. He's like, I knew people like this, and now I have to pretend to be them. Right. And it's polluting my soul, what I'm bringing into the world kind of thing. And I was like, wow, that's a really honest answer from somebody who's been through something. Exactly. Like Shakespearean actors can probably, you know, do the villainous role and have fun with it a little bit. But to, to be able to, like, actually mimic things you've seen, it really does have to take a, a you know, take a toll on your soul. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, David Warner leans forward very quickly, like a snake, after he says, sounds good, and mm -hmm. does his chin jut. And it's such a, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's such a strange way for a human to move. It's, it's you know, it's like he's going to spit venom or stick out a 
snake tongue or have some sort of uh you know fava beans with a nice chianti kind of kind of move or something like that now david warner yeah. was, david warner was hired without having ever met uh lisberger the director they'd, they'd been trying to get peter o'toole to play the bad guy oh interesting and peter just wasn't down to be the villain he really wanted to play tron and they were like it's hmm. not it's not going to happen peter we don't want you to be tron and and uh and David Warner became free to work two weeks before Tron production began. And after seeing him in The Omen wow. in 1976 and Time Bandits in 1981, Lisberger was just like, sold, get him, he's hired. And uh, he also mentioned that he had to pad out his costume because of how thin he was. Mm. Everybody talks about how thin David Warner was. He was storyboarded and envisioned originally to be uh, super jacked and pretty built so they had to hmm. they had to roll with the fact that he wasn't going to have that that wasn't going to happen he was supposed to be this towering scary giant of a bad guy interesting i don't know if i could picture that with with i just he's so perfect in this role he's so, and, yeah and and just i it's it'd be odd to have someone so big like so physically um you know intimidating and then be under the thumb of of you know the mcp and it seems odd right like i, I could see what they're going for but i feel like he just he just is able to play both those sides so well. And I think his physicality works too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's almost like a whip or something. He's got this, you yeah, know, this thinness to him that, that, uh, that works a lot. But if he was yeah. just a big giant Schwarzenegger type of, uh, type of force, <laughs> it wouldn't, I don't think it would be quite the same. Yeah. On the, uh, on the behind the scenes commentary on the Blu-ray, Lisberger sort of reluctantly admits to falling in with the cliche of making a British villain, uh, like like <laughs> like Paul Freeman and Ronald Lacey as uh, as Nazis right. in, in Raiders, or Peter Cushing as Tarkin in Star Wars. It's this long lived <laughs> yep. tradition of making the villains British, but uh, I guess they do it so well. I don't know. It's a cliche for a reason. Like it's just it, it works so well. They've got that sarcasm and that dry wit. Yep. On the uh, yep. I mean, just just charming and menacing at the same time. Yeah, they can really, and they have. I think. Probably they just have a better classical acting education in Britain than they do over here. Maybe I'm not sure if that that holds up, but I think that I feel like that's the case. Maybe there's a Probably. better classical I think classical so. acting education. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. And the thing about uh, Bruce Boxleitner is he was reluctant to take the part, uh, to take the part as far hmm. as far as he was concerned at the time. Disney films were where careers went to die. And none of the Disney films mm. had starred any big name young up and comers besides Julie Andrews and Mary Poppins. Um, so he was somewhat sold on the idea of being like it was sold to him as being it's like Spartacus, but inside a computer. He was like, oh, OK, right. OK, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> but uh, he didn't sign on until four days before production started. And that was only uh, oh, wow. that was only after he, you know, he was like, oh, Jeff Bridges is a part of it. Oh, OK, I'll I'll come in. Yeah. And he's so good. His, his, he, he works so well too. I mean, that, that, um, the reaction to when Dillinger kind of does that, that, that venom spit is you can see his face change suddenly of like, oh, okay, I, I should, I have to leave now. Like, <laughs> I get it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, okay, time to go. He, he's, yep. he's good too. He's got a lot of restraint in his, in his acting. You can tell he's frustrated and angry, but, uh, keeping it together. Yeah. One thing, uh, there's a little alcove beside beside uh, Dillinger's desk that I never noticed before. It's like his office is a circle, but it was like the, mm. like the office is a square, but there's a circle. Oh, that's kind of like 
the panels that protect the MCP in the end of the film. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I never thought about it, but it does look exactly. It does look a lot like that. You're right. That's interesting. That's probably yeah. intentional. A, a lot of things about this uh, movie going move, going minute by minute as you uncover the details that were put in there, probably intentionally oh, that just drifted by you if you've only seen it once or twice. That's cool. But it forms a little alcove back there, and I wonder if that's like an executive mm-hmm. executive bathroom or like a Picard ready room, or if there's a, another <laughs> panic room or private room back there. It'd be cool to see if there was something back there. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. I bet you, I bet you, it's a it's a private washroom. But uh, I I do love the idea of having a, a second ready room behind there, or just like where all his like uh, surveillance. Well, he has the surveillance equipment in his sweet desk, so I guess yeah. it wouldn't be back there. Yeah, his sweet desk. He's got his he's got his nerve center right there. And I I love yeah. his. Uh, I want that desk. Oh, I think everybody wanted that desk after this movie. Yeah, they're, they're like, oh please, please, get. that's like the ultimate executive desk right there. Mm-hmm. I love his uh, pursed, yeah. his pursed face as he watched, as he watches mm. Alan leave. You know, Alan yep. leaves, and he's like, and then he says, "Oh boy," <laughs> because he knows the uh, <laughs> the MCP was listening, and to that little gem of information, and he's in trouble, and he's about to get a visit from the principal. I like that. Uh, I like that look. Oh, yeah. He's like, "This is not gonna go well," and the MCP says yeah. he's disappointed in Dillinger, which is pretty big boss talk. But even worse, D- yeah. Dillinger apologizes. Dillinger's like, oh, I'm sorry. You're like, oh, the balance of power is really shifting here. Yeah, it's amazing how much work is done in just this one minute to show the relationship between the MCP and Dillinger and like who's in charge. Like, I, it's it's interesting. I was kind of reading up a little bit on some of the production and some of the reviews of this, and 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 some of the reviews. Most of the reviews were for fairly positive, but there were a couple of people reviewers said, well, it's it's you can't figure out what's going on with the plot. And, and it's funny. I don't know if it's, it ages well or, or if it's just, if it's just 2019, but I watched it last night. I'm like, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward plot. And I don't know, maybe because we, our computers are part of our lives now that we're able to make that leap. But I wonder if some of those reviewers, you know, back in 82 didn't have a lot of experience with computers. And so it was just quote unquote gibberish to them. I think a lot of it was that uh, because the cast talks a lot about that as well. They got hired. Yeah. And, a lot of them took the part going, I have no idea what any of this is about, but I'm going to say right. the words that they tell me to say, and I'll follow the direction that they give me, and we'll see what happens. Because they're working on this you know, midnight black set with uh, just a bunch of tape and reflective tape kicking around and told to say stuff like program and MCP, and they're like, sure, right. sounds good. All right, <laughs> thumbs up. So I think you're right. I think because I felt the same way. Like a lot of these reviewers talk about how it was thin on plot or how it was confusing, and I just don't really, I don't see that when I watch it. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think no. it's, it's got a fairly yeah. straightforward, if not even simple, plot. But yeah, who's yeah? I was a little nervous to re to rewatch it because again, I had I hadn't seen it in years and years and years, and I've I've been burned so many times with rewatching things I loved as as a child. Yeah. I think they loved. Um, and this was not one of it. Like I, I was kind of instantaneously re-engrossed and, and I think part of what in the past when I've been burned is like, oh, the plot's thin or it just doesn't make sense. or these, these leaps of logic and, and watching Tron, none of that was there. It seemed very thoughtful and very clear and, and, you know, a very like high concept movie, but completely understandable high concept, which I really appreciated. Yeah. And I think it's a real testament that this is like a long time later. 
and you can still watch yeah. it and the concepts are still relevant and the the plot is still followable and it's a tight it's a tight little it's a tight little script uh yeah. let's see oh yeah and then alan uh goes to pound on the elevator doors but they open just as he's about to hit the doors i like that that sort of yep open ah and then the then the <laughs> elevator doors open it's a great kind of oh i was gonna hit something and now i'm not going to so okay yeah i'll just stomp angrily down and and then he presses yeah. my favorite button in the whole in the whole movie. He presses the button for <laughs> Laser Bay Two. And Bay as two. a you know yeah. as a child seeing this in nineteen eighty two, I'm like, are we about to go to Laser Bay Two? This just became the best movie yeah. I've ever seen in my life. I know. You're right. That's probably why I got so into the next couple of minutes when I was a kid, because it was all that anticipation of what's in the laser bay. And then I was watching it last night and watching these minutes. I'm like, I wonder what's in Laser Bay 1. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, too. I wonder if it's just a duplicate, <laughs> like it's the same. It's a, it's another Laser Bay, just like Laser Bay 2, or if it's a whole other yeah, it's a whole other thing. If it's a honey, it's a I, uh, honey, laser. honey, I shrunk yeah. the kids laser instead of a instead of a Tron digitizing <laughs> laser or whatever. Right. Uh, I like to go over nice. the differences between the movie and the novel and the screenplay oh cool but this scene pretty much plays out exactly the exactly the same mm -hmm. then in the uh in the novel and the screenplay though this this part this is exactly where the balance of power shifts this is the first time that the mcp has beckoned dillinger back and this mm. is the first time that dillinger has been like sorry you know so there's all the, there's a lot of internal monologuing about the the hey you know i own you and you shouldn't be talking to me like this right but other than that the lines are, are pretty much exactly the same yeah again they do such a good job in the movie of, of translating all that just through his body language and just through through kind of this the this you know the the few words the mcp says to him yeah and he's so he did the voice yeah. of the mcp too oh that's right I, I saw that last night i was fascinated by that having i always i always love it when actors have to talk to themselves yeah that's really fun when they have doing multiple roles especially when you have voice actors i always think of the show futurama and you'd have billy west playing four characters in one scene just having a conversation between himself oh yeah and all yeah these different voices yeah that probably happens to, to billy west specifically quite often that guy oh, has yeah. so many yeah. voices or Harry Shearer, or uh, Hank Azaria, or something yeah. like that. So since this, is, since this is minute 13, I like to do a thing where uh, it's the unluckiest minute, because it's minute 13. So I was thinking, what are some of the unluckiest things that could happen to these characters in this minute? Now, it's just Alan and Dylan, you're talking to each other at a desk, but do you have any uh, ideas for what unlucky things could happen? Oh, man, it's 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 tough, right? For just this minute, um, you know, really, I kind of thought of the fact that, um, you know, it's kind of random. But if the master uh, computer, for some reason, decided to speak up at that moment, you know, it could really throw everything. Like if, <laughs> if he just piped in for some reason, that was kind of my thought. Uh, my wife's reaction was, uh, well, if the power went off. That would be pretty unlucky for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a big blackout. That would be, oh. That would be that would be yeah. the end. I love the idea of, of him of Alan saying, Oh, it's an independent watchdog and having the MCP just go, Excuse yeah. me. Wait, what now? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> who, who said that? Yep. What's happening? Yeah, mine was just uh thinking that like Alan could trip as he's coming up to the desk <laughs> and like knock himself unconscious on the on the corner of that massive desk or that's funny maybe the uh that that cool helicopter could crash into the side of the building or something yeah. like that 
but I was thinking yeah. uh, a little. Those are yeah, pretty, pretty. those are pretty good. I thought a little bit kind of. It's not necessarily in this minute, but like up until this minute, if something went wrong or something changed, and I kind of went really down a rabbit hole for a second of what if Clue was actually successful at it is it is at the beginning of the movie and actually got the evidence against the against uh, Dillinger because then then Flynn would have no reason to work with Alan and, and Laura later in the film, would not be digitized, would not go into the computer, would not help Tron. Like, it would just change everything if Clue actually got the information. Do you think he would still... Yeah, well, he'd still go after Dillinger. Right, probably, but through the courts, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he'd still... Yeah, it would, it would all be real world. Like, he'd still yeah. end up in charge of whatever, but... <laughs> be, be a very different and, and boring movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody performing their functions correctly and a light yep. courtroom drama about uh, corporate espionage in the middle of the 80s. That would be yeah. a whole different film. Right on. Okay, well, thank you. Well, this has been uh, the unluckiest minute. Well, that takes us up to about the uh, the end of this minute, I think. Uh, tell us, Adam, where can people find you if they want to hear more of your daring wordplay and moral fortitude? Uh, oh, thank you. So Core World News is where to find us. That's Core World News. Um, you can follow us on uh, – you can get us anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, you, that's the same for our Twitter feed, Instagram, uh, and our Gmail account. So feel free to always send us an email. We'll answer on air. So we're very reachable and, and always love to talk to you know other Star Wars fans out there. So uh, that's that. That's that. Excellent. And if you want to get in touch with us, yeah. you can check out more at tronologicallyspeaking.com. Drop us a line on Twitter at tronologicallyspeaking. Send us an email at tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Tron Minute by Minute listeners page. Uh, shout out to pond5.com for the music and intro and outro music. And special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to moviesbyminute.com yes. and see if your favorite movie is there. And if it isn't, consider doing one yourself, because it's a very inclusive and encouraging community in my experience. Uh, do you want to try a little end of line on three? Oh, sure. Yeah? All right. <laughs> How do you just, uh, yeah. One, two, three. End of line. End of line. <laughs> you want to try it again? <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's try it okay. again. <laughs> one, two, three. End, end of line. End of line. Oh, well. Yeah, well, fair enough.